Good morning, church. The house is full today, looking good. We'll have another camp meeting next Sunday after church. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. I'm saying a lot of camp people are here in one service, so that's amazing. I'm glad to see you. How are you doing? Okay, great. I'm so happy for you and third from the back. And I heard one blessed person over here. I'll pray for discernment. For the rest of you, this message is for you. It's going to be a great day. Um, Amen. Amen. I'm working really hard today to, by the way, this is not a sermon illustration. I'll just tell you that up front. If you keep waiting for the big crescendo of the arm brace, I just had a little uh, issue this week. A little incident, a little situation. (laughs) So uh, anyway, we won't go into that. It's not part of my sermon. Uh, today, but my wrist is healing, and it'll be, I'll be fine. I'll be good. It's no big deal. Um, but I'm working hard today to really just hear from the Spirit of God, to be obedient to what He wants to do in the room. If that's okay, if I can have the freedom from you uh, to maybe not have it all together, not all prepackaged and, and ready to stick in the microwave for 30 seconds and have something delicious. It will be delicious. Um, from the Lord, but it may be not 30 seconds. Uh, It may be a little bit messy. You know what I mean? I just want to listen to him today. When I get home uh, from church, I'm going to pack for camp. Carrie and I are going. Um, As you may or may not know, Carrie and I are, are now very deeply involved in youth. We're here every Wednesday night, and we're a part of that process. And of course, we have a, a core team that we rely so heavily on. Uh, so just shout out right now to core team members, Addison, uh, Pedro, and Leander. They, they're fantastic young adult leaders doing amazing things. And Carrie and I have the, I'm sorry, I'm buzzing. You hate it. Can I do that? Will that change the buzzing? Do you know? Well, if I use a handheld, will that stop the buzzing? Or is it a different issue? This is where you open the microwave, see if it's warm. Stick it back in another two minutes. (laughs) Check. She said much better. I'm not on. Just go home. <laughs> All right, it'll take a minute for them to EQ this mic because they didn't, we, didn't, we weren't going to use it until my wife told me to. Um, the, the buzzing, though, this sounds, does sound much better, doesn't it? It sounds really good. All right. Uh, so there'll be very few gestures, unless it's a corny joke, then I can do this. Okay? <laughs> So uh, just, this is good. You can focus on the Word of God today. Uh, When I go home from church, I'm going to pack for camp. I'm excited to get to go with the students. We have a great, great group going, great group of leaders going. Uh, So I'm I'm excited, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk in to my house, and I'm going to get my green duffel bag. 
and I'm going to unzip it, and I'm going to, um, before I pack for tomorrow, I have to unpack from the last place that I went. Is that just me, or does anyone else understand you have, you, you get back from a trip, and you still got underwear and socks, and oh, that's that shirt I've been looking for, and I thought my kids took those shorts, you know, any, anyone else? Well, I, I happened to see the duffel bag this weekend and thought, oh my goodness, I never unpacked from Tennessee. So I get to unpack before I pack today. And I, I hope that you and I understand the importance, at least in the spiritual realm, of when we have an encounter with God every Sunday morning, that we've got the next six days to unpack what's been deposited before the next Sunday when God gets to repack into our spirits something new and fresh, right? I have a huge responsibility to present to you something every Sunday, but your responsibility is bigger than mine. You have to take what you've heard, what the Spirit of God has said independently to you. Like there's no way I could preach a sermon that's good for 500 people and to their need, but the Holy Spirit can. And when the Holy Spirit speaks a word to you on Sunday, it's now your responsibility to go home and wrestle with that duffel bag and unpack what the Holy Spirit is trying to get inside of you. Now, the last several weeks, we've been talking about allies and enemies. And um, there's been a lot to unpack, honestly. If you've not watched online, uh, you can go back and watch the videos. But we've said the four allies so far, help me if you remember. Number one was Holy Spirit. Number two is words. Number three was scripture. Number four was the one last week, church, big C church and little C church. These are the things that God has placed in our corner to help us on our Christian walk. I'm also talking to you about uh, the enemies, the enemies. And, and by the way, spoiler alert, there's no human that is an enemy of yours. The Bible clearly states that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities of this dark world. And so the enemies that we're facing, the first one was Satan. The second one was words. The third one was deception. The fourth one was flesh. Yes, flesh was last week. I want to wrap up this series today, giving you the fifth enemy and ally. The fifth enemy that I want to talk to you today about is fear. Fear. Fear will trap you in a cycle of defeat. Fear will paralyze you from reaching the place, the promise, the destiny. Fear will keep you at arm's length from anyone and everyone that wants to help you or be part of your life or speak into you. Fear is tragically the number one door that we see the enemy use in the hearts and the lives of believers. Fear. So we're going to tackle fear. We're going to talk about fear today. But there's also an ally that I want to share. I'll leave that to the end because that's great news. But 
I'll give you a heads up. The ally is fellowship. Fellowship, one of your greatest untapped resources for the Christian life is fellowship. Fellowship, and it's possibly not the fellowship that you might be thinking about, but we'll get to that. Heavenly Father, I come before you today. Oh God, I sense you in the room. God, I sense that you've come to do business with us today. So God, we lay our hearts before you. God, we say yes to all that you want to do in our hearts and in our life today. God, that you will call those dead things back to life. God, those things that have settled on the bottom of our heart, that you will stir within us the giftings that you've placed. Stir within us the passions that you've called us to. Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you want to do in the room. In Jesus' name, I pray, let the church say, amen, amen. All right, yesterday, my week's been absolutely uh, like a week I've never had before. Um, But yesterday, I had a a guy over to my garage. We were, my garage is is totally packed, and... um, I'm going to try to preach without this sling. It's for my benefit, not yours, that I have it anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, the, so this guy was in my garage, and our, our garage is, is packed with stuff, and we had to get a storage unit. We we're having some work done, and um, we needed to empty a large part portion of our garage. So this guy was helping me, and we're moving stuff all around, and he looks at my motorcycle that's in the garage. That's right, I've got a motorcycle. He looks at my motorcycle, and he says, wow, what, what kind of motorcycle is that? Now, let me give you some backstory. My wife never wanted me to get a motorcycle. She never thought it was a good idea, but she supports my crazy dreams. And I got one years ago here, actually, when we were, you know, Soon after we started the Exchange Church and came into this location, I got a motorcycle. Love it, by the way. I love that my driver's license says I'm a motorcycle rider. Um, I love, I, I just love everything about it, except I've not driven it in about two years. And it sat in my garage. It all started with a flat tire that I didn't know how to change. A flat tire uh, caused me to leave this motorcycle in my garage for the past two years. Now, if there are any motorcycle enthusiasts in the room, you probably know that now there's a lot more wrong with the motorcycle than just the flat tire, right? When you let it sit that long, there's bound to be more problems. And Carrie, Carrie has been gently saying, hey, let's have some conversation. Are you going to sell that? Are you going to keep it forever? Are we just going to set the Christmas tree on the handlebars? Like, what's, what's the plan? Trey, what's the plan? And she's wanting me to sell it because obviously if you've not ridden it in two years, you're not going to ride it, right? But I don't believe that. (laughs) I believe that if somehow it gets fixed miraculously, that I'm going to ride it. Now, I'm not going to go through the effort of fixing it because I don't know what I'm doing. But I want it 
fixed. And so this guy yesterday says, oh man, what kind of motorcycle is that? And we're both standing there and I'm like, it's a Honda. It said Honda right there. And he's like, yeah, what kind? And I'm like, it's a, uh, he said, well, a shadow, a spirit. I don't really, I don't, you know, it's been a really long time. I'm not, I'm not actually sure. I just, man, I just, the name has escaped me and I'm trying to play it off cool. And he goes, is it a hardtail or softtail? What's that mean? My boys are standing there, Jordan and Tristan. I know they're just like inside grinning. <laughs> he was like, you know, hardtail, softtail. Does it have shocks? Is it bumpy when you go over um, a speed bump or is it hard? And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, it's soft. Softtail, t- totally softtail. Oh, cool. How much power does it have? Um, you know, man, I've not really actually ridden this for, for a minute. I, I just have forgotten everything. Um, I, I really don't know. Uh, Jordan, let's get this motorcycle moved. Come on, kids, stop standing around. So I get everybody busy because I'm ready to cut the questions off. And Jordan gets on. Jordan, my 19-year-old, he's never ridden a motorcycle. Of course he hasn't. My motorcycle's been sitting there for two years, and you have to push in, pull in the, the clutch to get it to move forward, to roll it forward. And it's not rolling at all. And I said, son, you got to pull in the clutch, you know, to push it forward. He was like, which one is that? And I'm like, oh. The right one, the right one. He pulls it in. No, I said the left one, the left one. He, and this, this guy is watching all of this go down. And I'm so humiliated because I have a motorcycle in my garage. And I'm not really clearly a motorcycle dude. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, it's really nice to have the motorcycle in the garage and have it on my license so that I can claim to be a motorcycle dude. But that's not good enough. It's not good enough to have the motorcycle in the garage to be a motorcycle dude. It's not good enough for you to park your seat in a church to call yourself a Christian. It's just not good enough, not not for you, for God. It's not meeting his expectation for your relationship with him. To just show up on a Sunday, maybe give a little bit of an offering in the container, maybe high-five somebody as you come and you go. God doesn't want just an hour on a Sunday. He wants all seven days of the week. He doesn't want to just keep packing your bag that you never unpack. He wants to spend some time with you. And you know, when I get on that motorcycle, when I was looking at it yesterday, my mind goes back to just some really fun times like, when I ran out of gas in Pflugerville, it's raining. 
because I wasn't watching the empty tank and I had to push it uphill for an hour and a half for like half a block. <laughs> and it was, it was so heavy and I was humiliated, I was embarrassed. Um, but it was worse when I got to the gas tank and some guy drove up on his motorcycle and said, hey, did you switch it over to the emergency tank? And I said, what? There's an emergency, a what? So I didn't even have to push it. I could have flipped the switch and just drove to the gas station, but I, I didn't know that and that, and that was fun. And, and you know what else was fun, Lexi? That time that I'm, I'm learning to drive and I'm on Pflugerville Parkway about to turn left on, on Railroad Avenue and it got a little sideways on me. I'm stopped at the red light. I'm not driving, I'm stopped, Pedro. But it was too heavy, I just wasn't expecting it to be that big. And it fell to the ground and there's a car behind me, so I pick it back up and I look at the bike like, it's, like it did something wrong, like it's the bike's fault. <laughs> Memories, man. I love the way it, it feels when you're, you know, you're driving it and you've got a nice little curve and you get to lean in to that curve. Anybody ever lean in on a motorcycle? You know what I'm talking about. Just... You feel it. There's no, there's no way to give you like, like the degree of the turn. You got to feel it. And the more that you ride it, the more you learn how to just lean in in that curve. And even if the curve is, is sharp and maybe dangerous, it's all right because you've leaned in enough times that you know how much you have to lean into to get to safety. Are you with me? Are you, are you tracking what I'm trying to say? You see, the reason it's not enough for us to park our seats in the church, it's not enough for him, because God doesn't want to have children that just know how to point others to him. It's like it's not good enough for me, Stefan, just to point other people to say, I know all about bikes. I got one in my garage. Oh, yeah, they got, it's got a handlebar. It's got a gas. One of them's a gas. One of them's a brake. You got to be careful with that. Know which one it is. Like, I can't just point someone to the dealership lot. I got to, if I'm going to help you drive a bike, I got to know how to drive the bike. So it's not, it's not enough to say, I know a good church down the road. Do you know him? Have you learned how to lean in? To him when things aren't going your way, when, when life is dealing you something that you'd rather not go through, have you learned just how much pressure to apply to the, the gas or the brake or leaning in? Most of the time, the only time that we will encounter the details of the character of God is when we have to go through it. You know what I mean by, when I say go through it, you know what I mean? You ever been through it? Through it. You know what I mean? You have been through it. You have ridden that motorcycle in the rain without covering. You have turned those corners. You have learned to lean. You have learned how to ride. You have been through it. Listen, anybody can ride a motorcycle when the skies are clear and the wind is blowing and the temperatures are great. But when there's severe weather and motorcycle is your only source of transportation, your experience and your expect, expertise level better be a little bit higher. Are you with me? Like we have to get to a place as 
believers that we've done some miles with Jesus. When God allows us to be in scenarios that we don't particularly care for, but we go through it guarded by the power of the Holy Spirit, we come out stronger on the other side. And as we go through that season, it's then that we see who God really is. I could tell you all day long how faithful God is, but until you've walked through a season, come on, until you've walked through the loss of a parent or the loss of a child, the loss of a relationship through a painful, ugly divorce, till you've walked through financial bankruptcy, when you've walked through people smearing your name, when you've walked through it and you've come out the other side, Okay, now listen, you might smell like smoke. We go through some furnaces and we might smell like smoke, but we're not burned. And as we come out the other side, it's those seasons that we see that God is really faithful. And so I can read it in the Bible all day long, and I better believe it because it's true. But listen, let me tell you, there have been some stories in my life where God showed up. And he was more faithful tangibly in my world than what I could have ever read on the pages of a book or what I could have ever heard from someone who knows head knowledge but never encountered the faithfulness of a God who won't let you go. I've been through it. Any of you been through it? Any, anybody going through it right now? A couple of us. Good. I'm going through it. I'm going through some stuff right now. Just one more time. Anybody going through it right now? A little bit. Okay. For those of you that aren't going through it right now, we're so happy for you. (laughs) We are. We're happy. You're not going through it, but listen, there are one of three seasons that you're in. You're either going through it, you're coming out of it, or you're about to go in it. Jesus said in... John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. One of the greatest lies that we believe is becoming a Christian suddenly means that it's all rainbows and fairy tales and cotton candy and free lattes. Jesus said, you will have trouble. That is a guarantee. You don't have to go looking for trouble, by the way. If you live long enough, trouble will come and find you. It is while we're going through these seasons that we really get to know the details about who God is because he wants to be known. Listen, God doesn't speak to you because he wants to be heard. He speaks to you because he wants to be known. And when we know him, we obey him. He doesn't want us to be satisfied with just hearing about God, but to experience God. The same power that we see demonstrated in scripture, he wants that coming alive in our own heart. It becomes reality of our life. We don't just think this is 
good stuff for someone else, but we learn to lean into what the word says when we're going through it. The same God who split the Red Sea for the children of Israel to walk through is the same God who will cause me to walk on dry ground when I feel like my life is overflowing. The same God who raised Lazarus from the dead is the same God who will bring dead things in my life back alive. If I've read it in the scripture, he's no respecter of person. The same God that did it then will do it again. And, and by the way, why not for you? I want to take us. I have five minutes left. I probably should get to my text. My text is Exodus 14, 13 through 14. Let me give you some backstory before I read that. In this block of text, we're about to see the children of Israel encounter a miracle from the Lord. They had been in bondage and slavery for approximately 400 years. And the Lord has sent Moses to Pharaoh to say, let my people go. And Pharaoh doesn't want to do it. Eventually, uh, he complies. He lets the people of God go. But as soon as he does, he then regrets it. So he gathers his army and he takes off after the children of Israel. And so in this story, right where we pick up verses 13 and 14, just two verses is our text today. We're in the point of the story where they've been free for only a matter of hours. 400 years of slavery, now a couple of hours of freedom. They're standing at the Red Sea as far as they can see. From the east to the west, they don't see any way to get around. They just see this massive sea and they hear the hoofbeat of the army behind them. So Moses goes to them and in verse 13 says, he said to the people, do not be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will, turn to your neighbor, say he will. Other neighbors say he will. He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you. You shall hold your peace. Some translations say, hold your tongue. Some translations says, be quiet. Some translations say, mm. Some translations say, shh. There are four things here that I believe the Spirit of God wants to say to all of us today. If you're currently going through it, you're about to go through it. You're just coming out of it. There are four things I want to share with you that are really quite so simple. I hesitate to even share it. I really wrestled actually this morning with even just point number one. I'm like, yeah, we hear it all the time. It's just so simple. Why, why would I even talk about it? But then I realized if I were your enemy, I would take the simple things that you had in your possession as your weapons and I would disarm you to make you think that they're not as powerful as they really are. If I wanted to get in your home 
rob you of your things, take your family away from you. I would convince you that you don't really need to lock your front door because you know all your neighbors. I would convince you that you can give me your alarm code because after all, we've known each other for a very, very long time. I would convince you that you don't need to waste money on the security system. It's just draining your budget. No one's ever broken in. You need to save money. Why don't you cut the security? I would convince you that you don't need to be weary of strangers. If I were your enemy, I would take the, the simple things. You know why? Because I, I can't get you to give up your guns. I mean, this is Texas. I can't make you do that anyway. I can't, I can't convince you to put a sign in your front yard that says anybody can come in, move in, live here for free, eat all my food. I don't care what your background is. I don't care who you are. I, like those are kind of obvious security things that you're not going to do, the average person. But I, I could convince you the really simple things that you didn't know were strategically placed there to keep you safe so that you let your guard down just enough that I get in. And I believe that's exactly what the enemy has done to us. He has convinced us of these four very simple things, simple yet profound and powerful and effective things that help us when we're going through it. And sometimes we may feel like we hear it so much, we don't need to hear it again. But listen, as I speak it today, I'm going to reignite something, even if not through your ears, through your spirit, that needs to be lit again. And the first thing in our text, Moses says to the people, he says, do not be afraid. So the first thing, when you're going through it, here's what you need to remember. Fear not. Look at your neighbor and say, that's profound. I know we never talk about fear ever at the Exchange Church. The Bible talks about fear so much and in many different ways. It says, fear not. Do, do not fear. Take courage. All throughout Scripture, over and over and over and over, one of the number one commands that we hear from messengers of God or Jesus himself is, don't be afraid. Stop being so fearful. Did you know that most of the things you're afraid of will never even happen? You lose sleep over things that won't even happen. And then the things that will happen, most of that is outside of your control anyway. So a lot of our fear issues is really not a fear issue. It's a control issue. We're afraid that we can't control the outcome and we can't dictate how it's going to play out. But listen, there is a God in heaven who can. And no matter what you're going through right now in this moment, he's already got the solution at work. No matter what the doctor has said about you this week, no matter what that diagnosis is, no matter what that spouse has done, no matter what pipe has bust in your home, God has already got the solution planned out. Before you stepped into the issue, before you ever threw that leg over the bike to start it, to go out in the rain, God already knew the route he was going to take you. Fear not. I just think about the apostle Paul who wrote to a young Timothy. 
And he says, Timothy, I need you to remember that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7. Look at your neighbor and say, I have a sound mind. Aren't you happy? You've been thinking you were crazy. You went crazy. You've got a sound mind, but fear will make you feel like you're going crazy. Fear will rob you of all the peace that God can give you. Listen, God gives a lot of gifts, but there is one gift I can guarantee you he will never give to you, and that is fear. There will never be a moment in your life that you encounter fear, and it is a gift from God. So when fear comes knocking on your door at 2 a.m., 2.30 a.m., 3 a.m., you can automatically know you don't have to answer it because it's not a singing telegram from heaven. It's from the father of lies. Fear not. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Then he says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Stand still. The next thing that the Spirit wants us to know today is if you're going through it, just be still. Stand still. Some of you need to just write that on your hand. Stand still. Some of you need to get that tattooed right there. Stand still. Notice it's two words, standing and stillness, both of which some of you are not very good at. Standing, you know, when you get home from work, man, you've been standing all day, you've been working. Even if you've been at a computer, your, your brain is engaged. You, you walk into your home. What is the first thing that most normal people do when you get home, you walk in, you, you look at the surroundings and you find the most comfortable chair and you do what? <sighs> Sit down. After a long day of work, you find your place to sit down. Maybe you walk to your bedroom and you just lay flat on your bed, right? Face down. Why? Because standing requires effort that you don't have to give that moment that you get home. Like right now, I'm requiring more effort of myself than you're requiring of you. Sitting in your chair takes less effort than standing here, holding my frame together, sucking that in constantly. (laughs) You don't have to do that right now unless you've got a really tight shirt on and then you're like trying to keep the buttons from doing this. You know what I mean? You're just like sitting there. But when you're going through it, when you're standing against the Red Sea and you hear the army coming up, What does it take just to stand there? Don't throw yourself in the sand. Don't take off running. Just stand. Just stand. It takes some effort. It takes some forethought. It takes some determination to keep standing. Standing doesn't happen by default. It happens by decision. When the winds are blowing and the storm is coming, we don't just, you know, stand, we're not, we're not, what is it, Bernie? Weekend at Bernie, they just lay him against the wall. Right? He, he just goes in any position. He's, he's dead, for those that haven't seen the show. Right? He's, it, there's, he's dead. It takes no effort to stand. For you and I, though, when we're going through it, it takes, it takes some courage to keep standing. 
I'm telling you, I've had some days. I have had some days that it would be much easier to stop standing. To just bow down to the pressure of the complaints. To just bow down to the, the pressure of the bank account. To bow down to the pressure of my own insecurities. I've had some days. Keep standing. And what was ever wrong with being still? How have you convinced yourself that frenetic movement solves the problem? Be still and know that I am God. Listen, just because you're digging in the sand because you're hoping to find a way under the sea doesn't mean it's the right movement that's going to get you in the direction you need to go. If the Lord is telling us in this moment, this, this moment where it, you're getting hit from the front, you're getting hit from the side, you're getting hit from the back, you're hit from this side, sometimes you just got to stand still. Stop trying to fix it. Just let the Lord fight your battles. Stand still. But then there's a, a third thing that I really love. Let's go, Chad. There's a third thing that I really love. It, Moses tells us to be watchful, to be watchful. Let's read that verse. Stand still and see the salvation. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. See the salvation that he will accomplish for you today. Today. Brian, what must it have been like to stand on that shore? Looking to the left, seeing no way to cross. Looking to the right, seeing no way to cross. Knowing that if we, if we swim, we're going to drown. Hearing the army that is so large, actually, they're not just behind us, they're flanking us on the left and the right. We're surrounded. What a, what a temptation, right? What a, what a carrot dangling there. We, we thought we were going to be free. The promised land is just over there. We've had just a few hours to see what freedom really feels like. And they're coming for us, Brian. And this time they're not going to let us go. But then we feel a wind. And we look across the sea. It gets stronger. And it's blowing our hair. And then it gets stronger and it's beginning to blow our cloaks. And we're having to hold our cloaks. And I look down and I see the kids just looking out over the sea as the wind is, is blowing through our hair. I, I see people now at almost like a 50 degree angle leaning forward, like having to fight the wind. They're leaning like this because the wind is blowing so hard. And then suddenly, Brian, we see just a, a little dimple in the water. 
that gets bigger and bigger. And we see water flying to the left and water flying to the right. And, and we look back in our Oma, our, our grandma, our grandpa, we, we look back and they're just amazed at a sight they had never seen before. And we look up, no, nobody, nobody is looking up. Look at the clouds, look at what the clouds are doing. They're swirling in a circle, almost like a hurricane above us. And we see suddenly that the shoreline is extending. I was standing at the water because I was gonna be the first one to go in and swim, but suddenly the water's receding out. It's, it's going out. And I look at the children take their first step in and I take a step in and Brian, you take a step in. And we are literally watching the play by play of a miracle come to pass. You know, that miracle didn't just happen, Stefan, when they stepped to the other side of the Red Sea. The miracle started when we felt the first brush of wind. Your miracle's already started. Be watchful. See the salvation of the Lord. It's already at work. You may not see the, the river, the, the sea splitting, but do you feel the wind? Can you see the clouds? Be watchful. And my final point today. Let the Lord fight for you and be quiet. Be quiet. Not everything we go through in life has to be a post on social media. I love the fact that my wife and I are in a relationship such that when one of us begins to speak negatively about our situation, we have the capacity, the leverage in our relationship to say, hey, do you know what's coming out of your mouth right now? Do you wanna reframe that? Because here's what I do know, the power of life and death is within the tongue and everything that I speak, I'm giving someone a weapon. I'm either giving the enemy because he can't create things on his own. So he taps into our creativity and our, our ability given by God to create through speech. He causes us to partner with what he's wanting to accomplish in our world. And as we speak things, we create a weapon that he grabs and uses against us. Or do I want to speak things that God can say, now that's what I'm going to work with. That's the miracle that I want to manifest in your life. You're partnering with what I'm saying over the situation. I, and I, I get it. Our life sometimes is very, very overwhelming. I'm not asking you to live in denial. I'm asking you to live by faith. Rather than, than saying you're overwhelmed, say what God says about the situation right now. Rather than saying you feel defeated, why don't you just start declaring that you're an overcomer? Shh. You know, when I was growing up, my mom used to say, if you can't say anything nice, 
Don't say anything at all. I want to just tweak that a little bit and say to you today, if you can't say anything filled with faith, then you're not spending time with Jesus. If you can't say anything filled with faith, you're not spending enough time with Jesus. Carrie and I, we, we have our moments where we get in a funk. And you know what we say to each other? And thank God, it's always different times, right, babe? You're up, I'm down, I'm up, you're down. Thank God, if we ever get down together, oh Lord, it's gonna be awful. The Lord just, it's like just perfect. It just works out, right? But when, when one of us is down, the other one notoriously happens all the time. We'll look at them and say, I think you need to go spend some time with Jesus. That's code word for, I don't like what I'm seeing. And I love you enough to be honest with you, but I don't love you enough to let your stuff get on me. Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna guard what me and Jesus are doing together. And I need you to go get yourself right because I can't fix what you feel like is broken. Be quiet, be quiet. And my time is up, but in two minutes, can I just give you the ally? The enemy is fear. The ally is fellowship. I told you that for every enemy, the Lord has given us an ally to counteract that. This ally specifically is the fellowship of Christ's suffering. Philippians 3.10 says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. In American Christianity, and I know that's a broad statement, you'll find tons of examples that don't apply to this, okay? It's a very big generality. But in general, we American Christians don't handle suffering very well. We don't. We feel like we're doing something wrong if we're having to suffer. If, if something's going wrong in our world, we ch- am I tithing? Am I going to church? Am I praying enough? Am I reading enough of the word? Listen, there are some aspects of the character of God that you will never even get to see unless you embrace the suffering of this life. And as we take fellowship in the suffering of Christ, you can be guaranteed that you will take part of the resurrection of Christ. Oh, this life, friends, it's fleeting and it's temporary. And I know we we live it as if, you know, YOLO, you only live once. We got one, one lift, FOMO, fear of missing out. I get it. I know I've done it too, right? I, I do crazy things like buy motorcycles that I don't want to drive because I don't want to miss out. But this life is a vapor. Don't get better at being a collector of things than being a son of God. Don't get better at your career than being a daughter of God. Don't get better at your finances than than you are at 
surrendering to what Jesus wants to do in your life and in your heart. Fellowship. In the great times with Jesus and in the suffering. Will you stand with me today? I, many of you raised your hand and said you're going through it. I just want to pray specifically over you today. If you feel like this message is something you need to latch on to, the fear not, be fearless or be still or be watchful or be quiet. Will you just wave at me so I know who I'm praying for today? One, two, three. Okay, all over the room, all over. Oh, Holy Spirit, I just thank you that, God, you've spoken to our hearts today. You've spoken directly to our point of need. God, I know the sermon that I preached is likely not the sermon that's been planted in their heart. So God, I ask that you give them the courage that over the next six days that they will spend some time unpacking from this journey with you today. God, that you will do a healing in their situation, but more importantly, in their heart. God, that they will just learn to lean into you like never before. God, that they will be fearless in the face of opposition. God, that they will be still and know that you are Lord. And through all of that, God, they will be watchful and, and understand that there are tiny miracles happening all along the way for some of us in the room, it's you not saying a negative word in the next 24 hours. That's truly a miracle. For some of us in the room, it's not taking that next drink. You're trying to fight that addiction and you're gonna lay your head on your pillow tonight and not have had a drink. And that will be a miracle for you. For some of you, you're gonna be okay with how you look today, just for today. And you're gonna lay down tonight and you're gonna give it to the Lord and say, thank you, God, for one day of peace in my self-image. And that will be a miracle for you. God, we're watching the miracles unfold. We're watching the miracles. God, I thank you. God, thank you for our time together today. God, I ask that you would go with us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. If you want to know more about Jesus, uh, text N-E-X-T to 512-980-1220. We would love to get to know you more and send you more information on growth. Amen. God bless you.